Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And then at the end of that thousand years, a new heavens, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, the devil and all that stuff is dealt with. And finally, we dwell in this place of bliss forever and ever and ever. And that is it. It never ends. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. I am holding on to the rock I clean. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say? Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins the final three teachings of the book of Revelation. We continue to learn about God's eternal life. The aspects of the curse will even be present during the millennium, though they will be greatly mitigated by the perfect rule of Jesus. Isaiah 65:20 shows us that it is possible for a sinner to be accused in the millennial earth. But in the new heaven and the new earth, they are all done away with forever. Instead of the curse, the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. That's quite an exchange. Now here's Pastor Rob. So let's get into Revelation 22. We've labeled this morning's message the the final word. And again, we look at this end time calendar that I've been having on the screen for the last three weeks, just to kind of give you a timeline of where things are at. And where we are at literally is over here in the last section over here where it says new heavens and the new earth and new Jerusalem. We are at the end of the end. And we're going to finish the, the book of Revelation this morning. That's my hope. And I believe it's possible. We're also going to take communion. So let's go ahead and just get right into it. And let's read chapter 22. Let's look at the first five verses. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, and on either side of... Excuse me, I think I messed that up. Let's back up. Verse 2. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants, you and I, shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, nor the, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Ever and ever. And uh, what a wonderful description, again, as we have looked at um, the book of Revelation, especially in this chapter, we have seen 
that remember last week we were looking at the New Jerusalem, and really from Revelation 21, verse 9, you can just take a quick peek at it if you want, just so you can kind of see it, but Revelation 21, verse 9, all the way until the end of what we just read now in 22, verse 5, that's really the description that we have of New Jerusalem. It's the clearest description of the New Jerusalem, which is our ultimate uh, eternal state for the believer. The eternal state for the believer. This is what we will call heaven. I mean, when we die, we know we go to heaven. But heaven, after we die, is just a temporary place. Until God brings us back in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in his second coming. And we live and rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. And then at the end of that thousand years, a new heavens, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, the devil and all that stuff is dealt with. And finally, we dwell in this place of bliss forever and ever and ever. And that is it. It never ends. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. I really do. There's nothing on this earth that holds my affection. I mean, certainly I love my wife. I love my daughter. I love my family. I love all of you. I love doing what we get to do. But there is nothing greater than to be with Jesus and to be in the absence, to be even void, to be, to be free of this body of death, as Paul would call it. <laughs> who will deliver me from this body of death? And we know who, who, who does that. It's Jesus. And we will spend an eternity. I, I, I love to think, and I would encourage you to think about this often as you consider your salvation Think often about that thought. Read Revelation 21, verse 9 through 22, verse 5, and get, let your heart be carried away with the wonder of it all. And, and fast forward a million years if your imagination can do so. And then another million years, a trillion years. Do you understand it? It'll never end. And see, that's the, that's the joy, that's the wonderful hope that you and I have. And people who don't know Christ and are outside of Christ, they don't, they will not have that experience. It'll be just the opposite. They will spend an eternity separated from God in hell, in the lake of fire. I mean, to me, it's lunacy that anybody would reject Jesus. Why would they do that? I can tell you why. Because number one, they don't believe and they like their sin more than they, than they, than they love God. But such were some of us. But we've been washed but we've been cleansed. We've been healed. And regardless of our practical day-to-day experiences of failure and sin, we confess to God our sins, and he is just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And our names are written in the Lamb's book of life in spite of all of that, and yet God is going to redeem this body soon. And I hope it's today when he takes us from the earth and we are transformed in a body just like Jesus' body on the day of his resurrection. Did you notice that when they went into the tomb, there was no body? There was no shell lying there? Everything that you are is going to be changed, and there's going to be nothing left behind. It's going to be changed and transformed and taken out. I like that. It's an upgrade. But these verses speak of that new Jerusalem, a wonderful description of it. And um, 
In the first two verses, it tells us that there's a river of water of life in this new Jerusalem and also the tree of life. It's interesting to me how the first two verses of this last chapter of the last book in the Bible, it brings us all the way back to the beginning again. And what do I mean by that? We know that in Genesis chapter 20, uh, excuse me, G- Genesis chapter 2, it talks about in the very beginning this river of water of life and the tree of life. In the Garden of Eden, before sin came into the world, before the fall of man, what does it say? The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, Adam. And out of the ground of the Lord God made every tree grow that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, notice. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we know that's the one they got in trouble with. Now a river, notice, so it talked about the tree of life being in the Garden of Eden, and it also talks about a river that went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. Four river heads. So even in the garden we see this, and so revelation, it's almost like the Lord is bookending everything, bookending this idea of a tree of life and the river of living water. It was at the beginning, and it's going to be at the end when we are in the New Jerusalem. Do you ever wonder what it must have been like before the fall of man? When Adam would walk in the cool of the day and he would walk with God? Can you imagine the fellowship that they had? Can you imagine the joy it was for there not to be death at that time? To know that God created all these different animals and Adam could walk among the tigers and the bears and the lions. He could walk among them and have no fear. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, remember what Jesus said, a promise that he actually gave to the church at Ephesus. He says, To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he says, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Do you understand that Jesus, in the beginning of Revelation, as he's talking to those seven churches in Asia Minor, he's also prophesying of what's coming because he said it right he said this is what i'm going to do this is a promise that i'm going to give to you and that includes all of us him who overcomes i will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god that's where we're destined for folks is paradise not cabo san lucas not some fancy place in the in the caribbean the paradise of god which dwarfs it all but Jesus was prophesying of it. Later on, we'll know in, in, uh, in this chapter, in the 14th verse, he'll say, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. I love that thought, that we will enter the gates. And I wonder if one of us, and it'll probably be me, because, or David, or someone else, maybe we'll sing, Oh, when the saints go marching in. Well, we remember the old songs as we come in. Maybe there'll be a new song that we will sing when we come in. Notice in verse 1, it says that he showed me a river of, of water of life. He, this angel, it's referring to the angel back in twenty one, uh, chapter 21, verse 9 and verse 15. This is the one of the angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues that brought it out upon the earth at the commandment of God. And notice this stream, this water of life. I think of the psalmist, I believe it was um, uh, Korah, who said this. And in this psalm, he's speaking 
probably of the millennial kingdom, which we've already talked about, but could also be speaking of this yet future place to even after the millennium, this new Jerusalem. The psalmist says this, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall be She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. And I love the thought of that, that even in the millennial reign, there'll be a river coming forth from Jerusalem. And in the new Jerusalem, there'll be a river, a river of life. And you remember in in Zechariah uh, chapter 14, verse 8, I'll just read this to you. Beginning in verse 8, it says, And in that day, and Zechariah speaking of the millennial reign, not, not the new Jerusalem, but the millennial reign, in that day it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem. And this is really just review from what we've already covered. Half of them toward the eastern sea, which from Jerusalem, the eastern sea is the Dead Sea, and half of them toward the western sea, which is the Mediterranean. Notice, in both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord shall be king over all of the earth. That's what's going to happen in the new, or in, excuse me, in the millennial reign. And there's going to be another river of water in the new Jerusalem. In Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel speaks of this river of living water coming out south of the altar in the millennial temple. In Ezekiel 47, in the first 12 verses, we're not going to look at all 12 verses, but he says that the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. And this water, as as Zechariah told us, will come out from the, the altar and it will go down each side of Mount Moriah, which is where Jerusalem is, and the water will go like this to the Dead Sea and all the way down and then over into the Mediterranean. And what does it say down in verse 7? The the angel who was talking to Ezekiel at the time, he says, When I returned there, along the bank of the river were very many trees. Does this sound familiar? This is the the millennial reign, and we're going to see a very similar thing in the New Jerusalem. But Ezekiel says, When I returned there along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, the Jordan Valley, of course, and enters the sea, the Dead Sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. I love the fact that the Dead Sea will be healed. We go there today and we float around and we collect samples and we take them back and we get busted through customs because they see all of the you know, spectrograph of all the chemicals and they think we're bringing a nuclear bomb on board. <laughs> but it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. And again, the millennial reign. And there will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. And it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi. They're going to stand. If you've been to Israel with us, En Gedi is right there. You, can, you look out En Gedi and you see the northern part of the Dead Sea. I can see it in my eyes right now. And yet one day that's going to be filled with fresh water. It's no longer going to be dead. But along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit shall not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary in Jerusalem. Their fruit will be for food. And notice, and their leaves for medicine. Does that sound familiar with what we're reading right now? Sounds very familiar. In the millennium and in the new Jerusalem, we will have this tree of life and this river of water giving life. It's not necessary, it seems, because we're not kept alive by the water or the fruit of the tree. 
God is the one who keeps us. Amen? But notice in verse 2, in the middle of the street, now we're back in New Jerusalem, in the middle of its street, it's sort of like a boulevard, picture it in your mind, in the middle of the street, there's probably a big street going right down through New Jerusalem, and it's going to be a long street because we looked at the dimensions of it, 1,500 miles in length and breadth and height. That's a long boulevard. And what does it say? In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits. And notice, each tree yielding its fruit every month. What a blessing that'll be. I want to taste those mangoes, if there are mangoes. And the trees of the tree were for the healing of the nations. For the healing of the nations. That's interesting, isn't it? Revelation says, he, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I love the fact of that. And you know, when you think about this tree of life and you think about this river of water, who is that to us? What character describes that to us? It's really none other than Jesus himself. He really is the tree of life. He really is. In John, 15th chapter of John's gospel, what does it say? Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then Jesus says, I am the vine and abide in me. You are the branches. And if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And so he is the source of everything. We are the branches. He is the tree in a sense. In Isaiah chapter 11, it speaks of Jesus from coming from the um, from Jesse. We know that in the flesh, Jesus came through the line of Judah, the same line that King David came from, and yet he preexisted all of it. In Isaiah eleven, what does it say? It says there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Speaking of Christ. But Jesus is also the fountain of the living waters. In Jeremiah chapter 2, what does it say? He says, as the Lord is really upbraiding Jerusalem for its sin before they are led into captivity, the Lord comes and he says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's who Jesus is. He's not only the tree, he's also the branch, he's, he's everything, but he's also the river. He's also the river of living water. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And that's really what we do throughout life. We're always looking for something other than Jesus. Why is that? Why is man always looking for something other than Christ? Isn't it true that if you don't have Christ in your life, you will fill your life with something and anything else? And the devil is more than happy to accommodate you. He's got a whole uh, treasure trove of things that you can fill your life with. You can fill your life with a career, with a relationship, with illicit drugs, illicit sex. You can do anything you want. And he's got, a, he's got his little coat open. You know, it's like when you go down to the Bahamas and you get off the, the plane or you get off on the, the little tram to go somewhere. And the first thing you see are those guys with the, <laughs> you know, holding out the jackets trying to sell you a watch that's fake. But Jesus is the fountain of living waters. It's one-stop shopping with him. 
Because you go to him and you get everything. Everything. All your soul is satisfied. And you know that. For those of you who know him, you know that that is the truth. And I know that too. I'm so blessed because of it. In John chapter 7, he says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, the very Spirit of God in us and through us. And John, when he spoke to the woman at the well, he said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you have the Spirit of God in you? Do you know that you have the Spirit of God in you? Do you know that you're a child of God? Have the assurance. You can have the assurance. Don't walk around with the question mark. And the psalmist in Psalm 1 tells us the blessedness of those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord. And what does he say? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? Do you delight in the word of God? I don't know, do you? Yeah, me too. It's nice to get an amen every now and then. It makes makes sure everybody's awake. Or maybe you need to have another sip of coffee. But do you desire for your life to be fruitful? Yeah, I do. The life that God has given us is precious. And it doesn't even belong to us. He gave it to us. And if he has done all that he has done for you and I, uh, isn't it my reasonable service then to give him everything? To give him my life back? I think it is. And the reason I don't do that is because I don't quite comprehend that. But the more I comprehend that truth, the more I am willing to yield everything. Yield your life to Christ. Let him be the fountain of living waters to you. Let him be the tree that you abide in. May you be the branch that hangs and abides on the vine, receiving all the nutrients, all that you need, all the encouragement, all the strength and the grace and the mercy, the compassion, the forgiveness, everything. Receive it from him who is the tree. He is the vine. He's the central part of it. Notice that the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, this is a very difficult passage, and I won't make, and I will, I'll be honest with you, it is kind of difficult because we know that in the next verse we're going to read, we, we read it earlier, that in the New Jerusalem there's going to be no curse. So what is this deal about the healing of the nations? Those who have been saved in the New Jerusalem, why are they going to need a tree for healing? And I believe the answer is in the Greek language of this word called healing. It's therapia, where we get therapy from. And perhaps a better way to look at it is not so much about healing, but health giving, and, and not even that it's necessary. Uh, I'll, I'll quote to you something that I read that I thought really kind of nailed it on the head. It's by John uh, MacArthur. He said, The leaves of the tree promote the enjoyment of life in, new, in the New Jerusalem and are not for correcting ills that do not exist. Because we know that when the curse is lifted, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more sickness. But yet there's this tree in the midst of the garden. And it's there for us. For the nations. 
for healing or for to promote health, actually, health-giving. Not that we need it, per se, but it's there to enjoy if we want to. I kind of like that because I like to eat. You like to eat? I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.